The Kingdom Roots podcast is brought to you by Northern Seminary. A seminary education has a vital role to play in God's kingdom taking root. The mission of Northern Seminary is to equip church leaders to engage the world. If you are interested in a seminary education and would like to learn more about the many ways Northern equips the church, please visit our webpage at seminary.edu. Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have a sermon from Scott on Pentecost Sunday. Every summer when I was a child, my parents took us to southern, southern Illinois where we experienced hillbilly elegy. If you've read the book, that was my family, my father's family. And um, it was Southern Illinois, and my grandmother and grandfather were holiness Pentecostals, unconvinced that anybody in our family were Christians because we hadn't done the right things, which is speak in tongues. My father was a deacon in a Baptist church, and and my grandmother's theology irritated him. <laughs> on, on a Sunday uh, eve, uh, evening, we were playing wiffle ball in a perfectly good game when we had to stop and put on Sunday evening clothes and go to my grandmother's Holiness Pentecostal Church. And after about, I don't know, 15 minutes into the service, they announced that it was prayer time and I was about nine or ten, and all I can tell you is it broke out. <laughs> and people were, it was prayer time, which in a Baptist church meant the pastor prayed from the front and everybody else kept their mouth shut. <laughs> this was the opposite. The pastor wasn't saying a word and everybody else was saying things. And there were people uh, standing there with their hands up, and that was definitely verboten. That's a German word today because it's Pentecost. <laughs> it was definitely verboten to raise hands in our Baptist church. If you got really excited, you could say amen if you were a male. <laughs> and so uh, this church broke out, and there were people standing up, and then there were people singing in tongues, and there were people praying in tongues, and one person was laying in the aisle, and other people had gone up to the front. And I mean, as a 10-year-old, this was really a spectacle. It was like going to the circus. <laughs> so when we got in the car, of course, uh, we asked my father what was going on. And he said it was nothing but gibberish. <laughs> and uh, we went back to our Baptist church. And um, I was told by our youth pastor that anyone who speaks in tongues is demon-possessed. Oh, wow. So... I went from a church that was every Sunday was Pentecost to a church where there was no Pentecost. And the church that I grew up in, I don't remember any sermon on Acts 2, any talking about the Holy Ghost, which is my grandmother's single word for the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the Holy Ghost. And so I grew up in a world that was anti-charismatic, anti-Pentecostal, and uh, then I read the Bible. 
And it's pretty hard to be anti-Holy Spirit. I'm going to get excited here. It's pretty hard to believe in the Bible and not believe in the Holy Spirit. So here is every Sunday is Pentecost to no Sundays are Pentecost. And we're Anglicans and we're very sophisticated. And I remember one time being with a Pentecostal from Montana who was talking to me about the Bible and interpretation and all kinds of things. And he said, you know, you Baptists, if the Holy Spirit left, you would never know. (laughs) And sometimes Anglicans can get a little bit that way. Things are so orderly that the Spirit might not have freedom to do what the Spirit wants. And that's why we need Pentecost Sunday every year. The Holiness Pentecostals don't need Pentecost Sunday. The Baptists need Pentecost Sundays. And Anglicans need Pentecost Sundays. And why, we ask, do we talk about Pentecost? Why do we read this text every year? Why uh, do people wear red on Pentecost? Because we celebrate every year this great holiday in the church. It is sort of like a combination of Christmas and July 4th and Easter all at once. That's what Pentecost is. It is the birth of a brand new thing in the church. But what does it mean to us if we don't remember Pentecost annually? If we don't remember it, We will quickly forget it. And the easiest way to drain a theology from the church is never to remember it. Memory is absolutely critical for understanding Pentecost. And so we try to keep Pentecost alive by every year celebrating this great text, this great event in Acts chapter 2. But it's not just that we have a church calendar that we get to celebrate, and therefore we go through these routines. Rather, it is because, uh, it is because of Pentecost that we are reminded what God's mission and what our mission in the world actually is. So it's not that it's on the church calendar and we get to do it. It's on the church calendar because we need it. We need Pentecost because we need God's spirit, because we need to understand God's mission, and God's mission can't be performed without God's spirit. Pentecost, then, is about mission. It is about our mission, corrected. It is about God's mission that we get to participate in. That's what Pentecost is. And God's mission is our mission, and that mission is to spread the gospel. And that will be my first point. God's mission is our mission, and our mission is to spread the gospel. In history, Pentecost is like no other day in the church. It is a day that turned a small band of Jesus' followers from grieving about his death into celebrants of his resurrection, his ascension, and the gift of the Spirit. It was on that day that this small band of hiding disciples became courageous preachers of the gospel, 
unafraid of anyone around them. Courageous and convicted that the resurrection of Jesus was true. Suddenly, they were declaring boldly the wonders of God. Only because the Spirit had come upon them. Pentecost turns followers of Jesus into witnesses for Jesus. Pentecost takes a national faith and creates an international movement. One of the distinctive features of Christianity is that it is without a language. Judaism has Hebrew. Other religions have languages, and you have to learn that language. Now, I'm a seminary professor. You know, we like to think you have to learn Hebrew, Greek, etc. Okay, just, just pay attention. Is that this all spread out and all languages are represented in Christianity. And that's why this morning the, the lighthearted attempt to be a holiness Pentecostal church with everybody talking at once <laughs> was a witness to the presence of all the languages of known to mankind as a part of what Christianity is all about. It quickly became Greek. It quickly became Latin. Then it became the heavenly language, German. <laughs> and that's where it all went downhill after that. <laughs> Pentecost reverses the flow from centrifugal to centripetal. It reverses things so that the church goes outward instead of just focusing on the inward. Pentecost is about God's mission in our world. And our mission starts in the Old Testament story. So this is not something that was unheard of or anticipated. But if you read the Bible from the beginning, you know that Abraham's calling was to be a blessing to the nations. And Israel was not exactly a missionary religion. Jonah was a total flop as a missionary. He didn't like, even when they responded, he didn't like it. This is not good news for missionaries. But the mission of the New Testament is that, or the Bible, is that it gets into the New Testament. Jesus raises from the dead, and from his ascended throne, he sends the Spirit, and the Spirit blows the Christians into the whole world of the Roman Empire so that the gospel will be spread throughout the whole world. That is God's mission to tell people throughout the world. Ethnicity, status, and gender will not matter in the church. There is, Paul said, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female. And in Colossians 3.11, Paul will add to that, there will be neither barbarian or Scythian. And Scythian is immediately understandable for anybody who's looked at a Green Bay Packer fan. Because that's what Scythian means. A lot of people don't understand that about the Bible. <laughs> the gospel shatters boundaries, is what, Paul, is what the New Testament tells us. It shatters the boundaries that kept people apart from one another, and it sends Christians throughout the world to declare the gospel as they become indigenous movements, not simply bringing American colonialism to a foreign country, but finding the way the gospel can find its best expression in that culture in that time. This is what Christianity is, and it's what our mission is to be, to bless the nations. Jesus was anointed with this spirit in Luke chapter 4. He sends out the 12 and gives them the spirit 
and the 70 to spread the gospel. And Paul announces this mission to all the world, and Paul embodies it. And the book of Acts is the story that the gospel will go to all the nations throughout the world. So Pentecost is the fulfillment of one of the great themes of the Bible, that God loves all people, and he wants all people to hear the good news that Jesus is the true world ruler, and that we are called to submit to him. It is also a time when we need to tell stories about the Holy Spirit in our own lives. And this is something, we are, we are pretty good at this, at four at nine, at telling stories, and in our small groups. Um, I have to tell you my story, because I just brought this theme up. I told you I grew up anti-charismatic, anti-Pentecostal, and no Holy Spirit in our church or Pentecost. We went to a, a, Chris and I were in high school. We grew up together. Our fathers were coaches together. We don't have any friends that the other one doesn't know. All right? That's quaint, isn't it? It's almost cute. So we were at a church camp in high school, between our junior and senior year in high school. And I had a a counselor. His name was Dr. Benson. And uh, he really didn't belong in a church camp. He was a president of a Bible college. But he he was there, and he came into our cabin at night, and he had really dressed himself down. He took off his tie. (laughs) And he talked to the high school boys, which... And we were a rowdy bunch. And this is what his message was. It was from Ephesians 5.18, that do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he told us the next morning, or that night, that uh, at some point, we were, he, he was going to ask us to get away from everyone and ask God's Spirit to fill us. Which, for me, was weird, because... I grew up anti-charismatic, and I knew what happened when people got filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so the next morning, I went to breakfast, and I was, have always gotten up early, uh, and I was a paper boy at the time, so I, I was up early, and I got to breakfast, and no one was there. So I went to a tree, a big oak tree, and I sat down under this tree, and I asked God's Spirit to fill me. It was weird, because it happened. And I, I was, uh, you don't know my life, but I was an athlete. I was going to go to the University of Wisconsin as a decathlete. So, you know, I, I could high jump and I could pole vault and throw the shot put. How about that? <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and the spirit came in my life. And from that point on, all I wanted to do was teach the Bible. Weird. Just ask my Sunday school teachers. They'll tell you it was really weird (laughs) that I was suddenly the one who was asking questions about the Bible and studying the Bible. So, uh, and then I got the Campus Crusade Bird Book, which some of you don't know about. You know about the four spiritual laws. But during the 70s, they had a book called the Bird Book, and it was about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I, I gave that to all my friends in high school. But... Uh, so I had a sort of a conversion experience. I'd been saved as a little kid because I was Baptist. You know, we all get saved because we feel guilty about our sins. <laughs> but uh, that was a transformative experience in my life, and it was charismatic, I think. You know, I don't know if I'm charismatic, but I believe I am because of that experience. Because the Spirit 
can invade our life and transform us. This is the stories we have to tell, that God's spirit can come into us and make us different people. So God's mission is our mission, and it is to share the gospel. But we can't do this on our own. This is the whole point of Pentecost. We need God's power, which is my second point. God's power is our power, and it is the Spirit. Suddenly, in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Barbara Brown Taylor calls it a holy hurricane. I think that's a good expression. And it was like a room, she says, it's like a room full of bagpipes all going at once. That's about what it sounded like, I think, to people. They didn't know what was going on with this group of people. And they spoke in tongues. And that is, as the book of Acts makes it clear, this is an evangelistic tongue. And there's, there are New Testament debates here. And it's not going to get beyond it being a debate. I can, I've been around this conversation for a long time. There are some people who think this was a miracle and people spoke in foreign languages and other people think it was a miracle and they heard people in their own languages. You can find evidence for this in the same text and just say, yeah, it's something like that that went on. <laughs> Babel, do you know the story about Babel in Genesis 11? In many ways, Acts 2 is the undoing of Babel. Because this was languages that God used to disperse the people. This is a language that can bring people together. This in Babel was building for the sake of power, but here God is in power through the ascension of his son. Instead of being idolatry in Babel, people are now declaring the wonders of God. Instead of people being against one another, people are being brought together. This seems to be one of the themes of what's going on in Pentecost. Technically, I've been told, only four languages were needed to cover all the people's groups that were mentioned. You only needed Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin, and everyone who was mentioned could have understood it. So there's, there's some discussions going on. The important thing is that tongues was spirit-empowered. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Tongues was not a gift given to the church to impress other people that these people are weird or drunk or that they have supernatural powers. Tongues was given to people so that other people could hear the gospel and hear about the glory of God. It should never bring attention to the tongue speaker, but always to the glory of God. Tongues is explained by Peter, and he goes to Joel chapter 2. And this is an amazing text from Joel that, that Peter quotes in these texts. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's the important expression on all people. And what he says is, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, or slaves, this seems to be 
in a sense, the bottom of a status category, that even on slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. One of the secrets to this text, then, is that at Pentecost, God's spirit moves from, in a sense, from the temple to all the people in the nation, from the hierarchical top of priests to all people, so that the Pentecostal movement of the church is one in which we believe that God's spirit is upon all people, not just upon Jay and Amanda and Stephanie, but upon all people, and this is the vision of the church. Now, of course, when we start talking about this, we start having resistance. We start saying, well, the Spirit of God is upon me to become a witness of the gospel in the whole world. I'd rather not. <laughs> or we assign it to other people with those gifts. But that's not the way the Spirit works. You don't get to decide in advance what the Spirit will do with whom. Not if you're open to the Spirit. The Spirit might just do some weird things, some strange and surprising things. Nobody would have picked Peter to become the great apostle that he was. No one would have picked Saul, Shaul, to become Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. No one would pick the people whom God has picked. You might say, well, I can't. Exactly. That's why we have Pentecost. Pentecost is here to empower you to become a witness of the gospel in the world in which you live. Not to necessarily go to Germany to become a foreign missionary, but to be a witness wherever you are. Once I was, uh, I was asked to speak on, uh, in, at Pentecost in South Africa. Now, I don't know if you know about this tradition, but South Africa celebrates Pentecost almost like Holiness Pentecostal people. It's a whole week of services leading up to Pentecost Sunday, not just one Sunday, the whole week. And I was asked to give seven sermons on Pentecost. I had one. You know, you know what do you do for seven times on this? So I really worked hard. And I found a wonderful statement by my uh, PhD supervisor, uh, Jimmy Dunn, James D.G. Dunn. And uh, I used this as my thematic statement for all seven sermons. And it was hot in South Africa. And I was looking at my notes, and I was sweating. And a big drop of sweat went right on my page, right on the footnote for this text from Jimmy Dunn. And one day I was going to write about this. I was going to write and use this famous quotation of Jimmy Dunn. And so I looked at my notes because I said, I know I did this in South Africa. And right there where I had the book and the page number, it was blobbed out. <laughs> so I wrote to Jimmy Dunn. You know how it is in this day with email. I said, Jimmy, where did you say this? And he said, I don't know, but I hope I did because I really like it. <laughs> and I said, I, that's not helping me. <laughs> so one day I couldn't find it. And one day I was just wandering through my commentaries on Acts, and it, it, it popped open to page 12, and there was this quotation from Jimmy Dunn, and I now knew where it was, 
And I, said, I wrote it to Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, it's on page 12 of Acts of the Apostles. He says, I'm sure glad that I said that. <laughs> this is what he said. The Spirit of God transcends human ability and transforms human inability. The Holy Spirit transcends human ability and transforms human inability. Now, if you get those words mixed up, it won't matter. I've tried it both ways and no one knows. You just say it either way. Transform and transcend ability and inability. The point is this. What you are gifted to do naturally, God can make better. And what you don't have the gift to do, God might give you. And that's what Pentecost is. I can't. I can't. Yes, you can. Because the Spirit of God can use you to become a Peter, to become a Paul, to become a witness of the gospel when you were afraid and hiding from the authorities in Jerusalem. The Spirit of God comes upon us to make us witnesses. There's something profoundly simple about the Spirit being unleashed. When you forgive someone instead of holding it against them. When you pray for someone instead of hoping for their defeat or offering critical words on a website. When you cross the room to sit with someone from the other political party. When you either miss an ethnic difference or decide you have something to learn. When you find yourself caring with compassion for those neglected in our world like children at risk. Each of these is evidence of the Spirit of God transforming inabilities and transcending abilities. We don't wait until we are fully prepared and educated and MDivved to the very end. We are made ready by the Spirit of God to use the gifts that we have and to transform who we are. So we ask the Spirit of God to transform us into missional agents, and we pray that the Spirit of God will come upon us. When I was young, I heard this story, and I don't know if it's true, but it's a good story, so it doesn't matter. There evidently was a, a time when a man took a tightrope and strung it across to Niagara. And he, and he walked across, and he showed people how to do it. And then he got off, and he had drawn a huge crowd, and he said to everybody, this is how it works. Do you understand? Do you believe if you get up on this rope that you can do this? And people would say yes. And then he said, who's first? I feel that way about this. You know, it's a great idea that our mission is God's mission. It's a great idea that God's going to empower us. So, okay, it's time to stand up and be that agent of God's spirit in our world. And so our, my third point is this. It's our encouragement is that we are not alone in this mission. It's not up to you to preach the gospel to all of America. It is up to you to do what God has called you to do, to take your abilities and transcend them and your inabilities and to have them transformed into giftedness by God. Peter tells us that this fulfills Joel. Sons and daughters who never imagined that they would be prophets because they weren't sons and daughters of prophets. 
Men and a young men and old men who thought maybe they were beyond their years or weren't even thinking about those years were suddenly used. And throughout the church, we have seen this happen time and time again of people who were called by God to become agents of the gospel. It doesn't matter about gender. It doesn't matter about age. And it doesn't matter about status. It matters about God's spirit empowering us to do what God calls us to do. So let's get very local here. We are going to move into the church in Highwood, which I constantly call Lake Bluff for some reason. And the church in Highwood will never be what it needs to be unless all hands are on deck. Unless each of us decides it's not up to Jay and Amanda and Stephanie to do this work, but it is our work. So before the sun sets on this Pentecost, to quote the words of Walter Brueggemann, may we make a commitment to become agents of the Spirit in our Church of the Redeemer in Highwood. Unless each of us decides to make a contribution in the way God has given us gifts, unless each of us decides to become a personal witness to the wonders of God and the powers of the Spirit. We each need to make a plan. What can I do for the Church of the Redeemer in Highwood to be a witness? The question is the question Barbara Brown Taylor once asked. Do we still believe in a God who blows through closed doors and sets heads on fire? Do we still believe that? That's what Pentecost asks us to believe, that God will blow through these doors and turn us into fire-born agents. Are you ready to inhale the spirit of Pentecost? Pentecost.